Pop Culture Affidavit, episode 29. Now I can die in peace. The waiting is over! The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions! And this one will last a lifetime! Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Pop Culture Affidavit, a podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture. I'm your host, Tom Panneries, and tonight I am giving you guys another entry in my year-long series of episodes called 1994, the most important year of the 90s. And this, at least to me is the most important sports moment of the 1990s. Yes, on a podcast where I have covered so many things geek, from comics to movies to television to music, I am actually going to turn my attention to sports, and I'm going to geek out about sports. I am going to geek out about a hockey team that I have been following since I was about seven years old. And that is the New York Rangers. And I'm going to talk about what is quite possibly one of the top five moments of my career as a sports fan. And that is the New York Rangers 1994 Stanley Cup Championship. But before I do that, um, I, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my history as a Rangers fan. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the lead up to that, that particular season and uh, give you guys, you know, kind of, kind of an eye into not just like what it was, what happened, of course, but also like what it was like to be a Rangers fan back then and what it was like for me to uh, experience this team winning their first championship in 54 years. And if this seems a little rambly at times, I'm actually kind of without a net. Um, I've uh, the peek, real quick peek behind the curtain. Most of the episodes that I do when they're solo episodes, there I'm reading from pretty much a full script. It, it just kind of keeps me on task and keeps me from from you know, having to do a ton of editing. And, and I sat down to write a full script for this, and I really could not get my thoughts down on paper. I have you know I have an outline of notes and stuff that I'm working from, but at the same time, I just could not sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to say this word for word. So. I'm kind of going without notes for the most part, uh, so hopefully this won't be. Hopefully this will be coherent. <laughs> so I'm going to start with basically giving a giving my origin story as a fan of the New York Rangers. Uh, this goes back to when I was about oh seven years old. I was in the uh, second grade, second grade at Lincoln Avenue Elementary School. I was in Mrs. Hall's class, and this was around the time when some of my friends and and people I hung around with, while well, we still played with toys, and we still watched cartoons, and we still did all the things you would expect to do when you're seven year old boy uh, in 1984, uh, 1984, 1985. Um, you would. Uh, we also started paying attention to the sports teams that were around us. And back then, this is the spring, so football wasn't a really big thing. In fact, I 
I've been a football fan since I was about in junior high or high school, but it was kind of a a third-tier sport to me until I'd say about college and then definitely after college. I really... Um, I don't think I'd be as hardcore of a football fan if not for my wife, who is a rabid Washington Redskins fan. Um, but with with sports for me when I was a kid growing up in Sayville, there were two. There was baseball and there was hockey. And that all went down when I was about seven years old. Uh, I started following two teams. One was the New York Mets and the other one was the New York Rangers. Uh, and it's kind of funny because there's a there's a weird alignment in New York sports fandom that some people actually kind of think should happen in that because every single sport in the New York City area has at least two teams. In some cases, in hockey's case, it has three. So baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. And you have, at least with baseball, football, and hockey, you have you have the Mets, the Yankees, you have the Jets and the Giants, and you have the Rangers and the Islanders. And there's this sort of expectation, mainly because the Jets, Isles, and Mets all played on Long Island at one point. Because before they moved out to Jersey, the Jets played at Shea Stadium. Uh, that those are the three teams that kind of line up. And therefore, the Rangers, Yankees, and Giants uh, line up well. And I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Rangers fan. So actually, the aberration is the Mets. And uh, and a couple of people have made that comment to me in recent years, and I've said, well, the funny thing is, is that with, with when it comes to the Mets and the Yankees, in a big way, and I think I've explained this in the blog, but in a big way, my fandom for the Mets really had to do with who got to me first, because my dad's side of the family, my uncle Lou, um, you know, people on my, my dad's side of the family are all Mets fans, and my mom's side of the family, my 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 uncle Brian. Uh, who who is no longer with us, and his son, my my cousin Brian BP, who is who is the exact same age as me. Uh, B and I, uh, B is a big Yankees fan, and had and had my father mother's father gotten kind of gotten his hands on me, I probably would have been a Yankees fan. But I was five years old. I I, I made a friend in kindergarten, and he was in my class again in second grade, and that that kid's name was John Purcell. And John was a Rangers fan, and then he had gone to, I remember he had gone to see the Mets, and, and I kind of started following the Mets because of him, and then Uncle Lou took me and my family to a Mets game, and that's how that fandom began. But with the Rangers, he is really, really, really into hockey, and, and this is something we bonded on because I started following hockey, and I happened to pick the Rangers at a good time back in 84-85 because the Rangers were in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they made it to the conference finals, the conference championship. I believe it was the Wales Conference at the time, and they played uh, the Montreal Canadiens and uh, lost in that round. So it was 1985, 1986, <laughs> and you no know, 84, 85. It was so it was 85, 86, and that's that's uh, my that's my bad, and 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 I just kind of <laughs> and I just kind of like negated the last few minutes, but um, it was it was it was uh, it was second into third grade. John was in my class. I started following the Rangers the next season. They lost to. The um, they lost four to one in the Wales Conference Finals to Montreal, and uh, my I took a minute. I, I edited this part out, but I went over to the bookshelf. I have a book called The New York Rangers: Broadway's Longest Running Hit, which was a kind of a souvenir book. This big kind of coffee table uh, souvenir book that came out. 
oh, about 1996 or so. And it has basically details of like each season. So I can kind of look at this and at least get my facts straight if I had it in front of me correctly. But, you know, what are you going to do? So anyway, I start following the Rangers. And it's kind of the second level sport for me. Baseball is so much my focus through the rest of elementary school, probably because I play Little League, and then into junior high school. And uh, the next time I remember the Rangers being kind of a big part of of my my life, so to speak, was the 89-90 season. Um, and that's uh, when they, they went to the second round of the playoffs. Uh, they had defeated the Islanders, and they lost to the Caps. And, and I think the reason I remember this is because John had the highlight video from this season. And the highlight video was called Poised for Glory. And it was this sort of um, look at a team that was kind of rebuilding itself. They had a new owner, and they picked up over the last couple of years a new new backup goalie in Mike Richter, who I recognized from the 1988 U.S. Olympic hockey team and was not that impressed with. But then again, what did I know at 12 or 13 years old? Uh, plus, I was a fan of John Van Beesbrook, who was the starting goalie for the Rangers. He was my favorite player at the time. So Richter, I kind of didn't pay much attention to. But the guy I did pay attention to, and I did remember from that, the same 88 Olympic team was Brian Leach, the defenseman. And I was a big fan of him. I was a big fan of him for his whole career at the Rangers. And um, this was a team that that was one of those teams. I think Bernie Nichols was on that team. And, you know, Beezer was still on that team. I think the Oilers won the Cup that year. But... It was this sort of, like, the video made it seem like they were getting ready for something bigger. And you kind of got that sense, if you really look at that season, this is kind of the first step toward what would eventually be the Cup uh, championship season. Um, The one thing I remember uh, from that, and this goes, this ties into the other thing about being a Rangers fan that I had to deal with, it was the Islanders. And the Islanders series was one that, that, that we all paid close attention to. And um, the Islanders, as Islanders fans, would remind you time and time and again, and probably still do, won four Stanley Cups in a row back in the late 70s and the early 1980s, which is a very, very impressive feat. I mean, it's hard to win four championships in a row. Shit, it's hard to win two championships in a row. But the team, you know, the team, the people fade out from a team and they come in and, and they had brought on a young kid in the mid-80s, Pat LaFontaine. And Pat LaFontaine, Pat LaFontaine was kind of the Don Mattingly of the New York Islanders. Like he was the, he's the, this is the young star we're going to hitch our ride on. And Mattingly with the Yankees was a, a great player, but he only made the playoffs once. Uh, never really, you know, and, and I don't think, I mean, there were so many problems with the Yankees in the 80s, mainly because of George Steinbrenner, that you can't exactly blame Don Mattingly for, like, you know, the fact that the team kind of sucked for a while. Like, I give a shit if the Yankees suck. But um, the point being is that, you know, the Isles were kind of the same way, is that LaFontaine was the golden boy, and, you know, they were they were on the decline. So they meet up with the Rangers in the playoffs, and the Rangers and Islanders have... And I, I know I'm biased here, but the Rangers and the Islanders have the the or one of the best rivalries in sports. The viciousness 
between the two teams, the viciousness between the fans of the two teams is ridiculous. And unlike, say, the Mets and the Yankees or the Jets and the Giants or the White Sox and the Cubs, the Rangers and Islanders are in the same division. So when they actually face off one another against one another, it actually means something more than the sort of bragging rights for the city. It's actually for standings, it's for points, it's for playoff spots and stuff like that. The Mets and the Yankees could, the Mets are never going to chase the Yankees in the pennant until they get to the playoffs and they face each other in the World Series. You know, that's why the Yankees and Red Sox have such a huge rivalry because they are division rivals. So facing off against the Islanders and meeting the Islanders in the playoffs is a big deal. And the one play I remember was this hit on Palafontaine that was a clean hit that just knocked him completely on his ass and knocked him out of that game. And I think at least this next game we give a pretty bad concussion. And again, it was one of those, if you're going to have just like one good moment in a season where you don't go all the way to the championship, you're like, you know, that's one of them. And it's... It was the start of me really, really getting into this team more so than I already had. So we're in about 89-90, and I'm watching Poise for Glory, which I think we must have watched the video like three or four times. And he also had one, I don't remember the name of it. it. They used to advertise it on TV, and it came in a blue box, and it was basically the history, like 50 years of tradition or something like that. And... um it was all about the history of the New York Rangers, and I love that stuff. You know, I have the amazing, an amazing era, the Mets uh, 20th anniversary history video, and I watched the shit out of that when I was a kid. So, uh, one thing I started, to, we were talking, we were talking about like you know the Rangers, the Islanders, and one thing is I, I began to discover that a lot more of my friends were um, hockey fans, and especially Islanders fans. So one thing that that I started to have to put up with was the fact that the New York Rangers had not won a championship since 1940. And now, there are teams in sports with longer winning droughts. At that time, the Boston Red Sox had not won a championship since 1918. The Chicago Cubs still have not won a World Series since 1908. But you go to a Rangers-Islanders game, or you go to really at some points any Islanders game, especially at the, at the mausoleum, and you would hear, 1940, 1940, 1940, over and over and over and over again. It was like being pushed around by that stupid kid. You know, you're a loser. Boom. You're a loser. Like there's no real comeback for that because you're going to say, oh, come on. What what about the fact that we, you know, we beat you last week? 1940. And then there was like, you know, um, oh, well, you know the Rangers suck. Clap your hands. If you know the Rangers suck, clap your hands. If you know the Rangers suck, 50 years without a cup. If you know the Rangers suck, clap your hands. And they'd add, you know, the numbers to it and stuff. And there was like a t-shirt where it was like the nice shiny Stanley Cup that the Islanders still had from 84. And the one covered in cobwebs that the New York Rangers had since 1940. 
And we had to put up with this shit because we were in Islanders country. It was Long Island. That's why they're called the Islanders. And I remember the day that they got eliminated in um, my freshman year of high school. It was, uh, it was, I think it was like 91-92. The Islanders, I don't think it made the playoffs. The Islanders finished with a losing record. They were 34-35. and 35. Only finished with 79 points. The Rangers won the Patrick Division. This is one of those things about those early 90s Rangers teams. They kept winning their division for at least the first couple of years. And that, you know, that's a big deal. So, so okay, like, you're there, again, poised for glory. They beat the Devils in in the uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And that's the other team. That's the other team in the area that are, the fans are just as, just as vicious, we're just as vicious to each other. Um, in fact, there's a whole Seinfeld episode about it. And the, the, the Rangers and the Devils would play uh, in, in the Stanley Cup championship final, in the Stanley Cup uh, in the conference finals in, in 94. And I'll get to that, of course. In fact, I think the only thing that Rangers, Devils, and Islanders fans ever agree upon is that we all fucking hate the Flyers. But anyway, so the the Rangers uh, they they defeat the Devils four to three, and then they they face off against the Penguins, who do go on to win the um, win the win the championship. This is one Lemieux had those great playoff runs, and uh, I remember the day they were eliminated. I'm sitting in Mister Tabor's. This is like first or second period computer graphics, like advanced computer graphics class. And Taylor had this computer lab type of room in the in the basement of the high school, and it was next to Mr. Dove's class, and Mr. Dove taught architectural design. And between the two classrooms, there were uh, there were windows. I guess just let's more lighted. And uh, somebody had a copy of Newsday. On the back of Newsday was, you know, just basically, I think, I, if I can remember it correctly, it was pictures of the Rangers bench. Everybody's looking dejected. And it was just some headline about, you know, once again, the curse, blah, blah, blah. And they're just holding it up to the windows. A bunch of Islanders fans in the class, they knew me. And I think John was in the class with me and a couple of the Rangers fans. And they're holding it up to the window. And they're just going, 1940 through the glass. And I'm just sitting there just like, oh, fuck you. You know, just like so pissed off. And I think while I had been a Rangers fan for the almost 10 seasons, I'd say about seven or eight seasons now, it was one of the first times where I really felt and understood the pain that came with it in the bullshit that came with it and so again I had to deal with it um, in fact I had to deal with with it the following year my sophomore year of high school when the Rangers finished dead last in the Patrick division 34 and 39 with 79 points the Islanders went on one of those runs where they went all the way to um I think they went all the way to the conference finals and then lost to Montreal. Like it was one of those crazy, like improbable um, playoff runs. And then Montreal, they beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was the defending champions, and that was like that was this huge deal. I remember some, uh, you know, and, and they had to def- I think they had to defeat the Caps as well. And uh, I remember there was a hit by Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon. Uh, that I'm sure Islander fans to this day, just if they're listening to this, would like winced at that um, because it was one of those just like it was a pretty dirty hit too. Um, uh, but but the Rangers were losing. And I remember like again, fucking 1940. I was in Great Adventure in New Jersey. Um, it was. 
spring break or Easter break, I was with my friend Jeremy, and we were just walking through the walking through the park, going from ride to ride, and I was wearing my Rangers t-shirt, and I passed by one of those things where like people kind of sit in the car, and the car goes up and around and up and around and up and around. Um, and I hear from there, 1940, and I look around, and they're not going to make the playoffs. I was like, okay. But, so, so that's, that's basically the lead up, and, that, and that's the lead up to, to um, what ended up being a season that really is one for the ages, because the Rangers... At the beginning of 1993-1994, we're playing. I remember one of my, even one of my teachers who was an Islanders fan, even admitted we're playing like quote phenomenal hockey for most of the regular season. They finished with a regular season record of 52 and 24. This was the year that the, the league realigned slightly, and you had a couple of different divisions where you have the north, uh, the northeast division. Uh, the Central Division, the Pacific Division, and you have the, um, the Eastern and Western Conference as opposed to the classic Adams, Norris, Smythe, Patrick uh, divisions with the Wales and the Campbell Conference. I miss the old names, I have to admit. Maybe it's just because I'm just, it's just me. But I really do miss the 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 fact that they were named. I know I know for like fandom sake, I guess, or accessibility sake, if you name it like East, Northeast, Southwest, Atlantic, Pacific, Eastern, Western, it's more accessible. But I love the tradition and the old in the old names and things like that. But anyway, so yeah, so they start off great and then they go, they they win the division. The Islanders finish at about five hundred. Uh, the second second uh, to the Rangers is New Jersey and Washington. New Jersey, Washington, and the Islanders are the three teams that they would face off uh, with on their way to the Cup Finals against Vancouver. And the thing about this, and the th- one of the things I've always loved about this season, aside from the fact that the Rangers won the Cup, is how they won it. Because... Like I said, you've got Islanders fans and 1940 and all that shit. And, and they play us in the first round or they play the Rangers in the first round. And earlier in the season, the Rangers had done something that they hadn't done in, in quite a number of years. And that is um, and that is that they beat the Islanders at the Nassau Coliseum. And and so that's one thing. It's like, okay, maybe we can do this. And the other thing is that then they play the Islanders in the first round and they slaughter them. I think the Islanders scored like one goal or something. They I mean, they blew through the Isles four to nothing and 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 then blew through the Capitals four to one. And I took this as a sign when I was when I was a kid because I remembered poised for glory, and I remembered that the, the order of opponents was Isles Capitals, and they got past the Caps, and I was like, "Ooh, they might do this." In some ways, it's like you know that's a big deal. To me, that was a hurdle because the last time I remember seeing them go this far, it was the Capitals that stopped them, and they beat the Capitals handily. Um, and so they they would face off against the Devils in Vancouver, and you had. For the first time in a while, you had a really, really tight team. Um, Mike Keenan, who 
had a reputation. Mike Keenan was kind of like I'm trying to. I was. I've been trying to think of the type of coach he you can compare him to from other sports, and I'm thinking of like a almost like a Bill Parcells volatile relationship with the, with the front office. Known for his methodology, it's kind of it kind of had this methodology of like you know I'm going to do this and you need to stay out of my way, and and really did his best to be tough yet motivate his players. You had Mark Messier who had been brought over a couple of years ago to be for this express purpose of bringing a Stanley Cup to New York because he had been after Gretzky left uh Edmonton he took over and he, he won one more cup with them and you know that was a pretty big deal out there but this is like all right Mess is going to bring the cup we've got homegrown talent like Leach and and Richter who I was reluctant to like because of because Beezer he took over for Beezer uh cuz Beezer went to the Panthers that year but it everything was gelling, everything gelled through the regular season, and it was gelling through the playoffs. And then they got to New Jersey, and I'll talk about that series after the break. What's wrong, Star Wars fans? Disney, Disney killed the expanded universe. They killed the whole thing. It's dead. Every single book, not just the novels, but the comics, and the video games too. It's like they're just stories, and Disney threw them out like stories. I hate them! Okay, Star Wars fans, relax. Here, have a Snickers. No one destroyed your Star Wars Expanded Universe. In fact, I'm going to give you a whole new opportunity to go back and explore all those books and comics that have helped to shape and mold this universe we love so much. Join me on the Star Wars Saga Cast, where I'll be walking through the various branches of the Star Wars Expanded Universe, much of it for my very first time. I'll be bringing you short episodes that review comics, longer episodes that explore the novels, and in-film commentaries, because you know you're just dying to hear what some random guy on the internet has to say about movies that you've seen a hundred times before. You know you are. So come along for the Star Wars SagaCast at thestarwarssagacast.com. And we're back. So, um, one of the things that uh, that I uh, that I, I didn't have growing up was cable television. Uh, and and if you have known me for a while, um, you know that I've beaten this hor- dead this joke like a dead horse into the ground, dug it up, beat it again, and then made it into glue. But. Um, no cable when you're a hockey fan sucks because back in 1993 1994 hockey was rarely if ever actually on television broadcast television anyway every once in a while WOR um WWRR out of Jersey would air a Rangers game or something. But for the most part, you had to have a cable subscription and you had to have either MSG Network uh, for the Rangers and 
sports channel, I think, for the Isles and maybe the Devils as well. I don't remember what you would have to watch to get Devils games because I'm not a Devils fan. But um, but yeah, so you have you have the Rangers on MSG, Madison Square Garden Network, because the Rangers, of course, play at Madison Square Garden. And um, not only that, you have uh, the Rangers playing on a cable network that had exclusive rights to them. So whereas ESPN had the national broadcast rights to the Stanley Cup playoffs and the finals especially, it was MSG that had the rights locally. I didn't get either anyway, so I was not able to watch the Rangers Cup run on television. I did, however, have a radio in my bedroom. They uh, they worked on the fan. Uh, they were on the fan, WFAN, I believe. I want to say they were on WFAN, but my my um, radio, my stereo in my bedroom, for whatever reason, maybe it was the plaster walls, maybe it was where it was in the bedroom, did not pick up AM, AM radio signals very well. Um, and so what I would do is I would tune into K-Rock, 92.3 K-Rock. Howard Stern in the morning, rock and roll all day. Um, and it was, it was by then it was a modern rock station too. Or It wasn't modern rock or, or in the sense that WDRE was or WLIR would be or that WHFS was down in Washington. It was more like the um, mainstream rock where they played the they played some alternative but they also played a lot of classic rock and, and they also played a lot of you know like straightforward mainstream rock and stuff like that. But if, if you're in Baltimore, it was more like like 98 Rock, and and if you're in DC, it was like DC 101 uh, was was the was the station like that um, for the most part. I mean, they did they did play their fair share of alternative, especially as alternative got popular. But they simulcast Rangers games, and I could get K Rock in my room, so I used to listen to the Rangers games on K Rock. And Marv Albert was running was doing the uh, was doing the play by play. So that's how I listened to this. That's how I experienced this series and the Cup Finals, and uh, the Rangers. Um, they faced off against the Devils, and uh, this was not going to be easy. The thing is, they had this young goalie. <laughs> I think he was a rookie, Martin Brodeur. Who, if I'm not mistaken, is still playing? Brodor had like a Ron Hextall like career. Like the guy just kept playing, and and this was um, he'd taken over at one point for Chris Terreri, and Brodor during this series had the Devils won would have been the series MVP. He was phenomenal the entire series, and this is why the series went seven games. But Jersey hadn't beaten the Rangers all year. And so it was one of those situations where you've just defeated the Islanders 4 to nothing. You just blew by the Caps 4 to 1. What the hell are the Devils going to do to you? You've manhandled them all season. And all of a sudden the Devils win uh the Devils win game 1 in double overtime. And you start thinking to yourself if you're a Mets fan it's 1988 again. They're the Dodgers again. Shit. But you know they they get back. Um, the the Rangers come back and they win game two four to nothing. And then and then in game three, they win in overtime. But 
but then what happens in games four and five, they just start to almost start to flail. And the Devils take both games. And I remember I was at I was at mock trial. It was the mock trial awards night for the for the for my mock trial team. We had come in second place that year in, in the county in the county championship. We lost to Bayshore. And we were at we had this little reception in the library and and, and Mr. Capel gave us all awards. And yeah, you know, I, I to me that was a big deal. Uh, that we came in second place because I've been on mock trial for three years and we didn't have a team the following year. But m- one of the guys on the team, Mike, ha- was also a Rangers fan and he was just like, he's like, you know, I want to get home and watch the game because, you know, my team, this team is just going to, ah, you know, we're, we were all kind of agonizing over, like, they're going to choke because as the Islanders fans always reminded us, 1940, 1940, they choked every year. It was like watching the Dolphins collapse in December. You knew it was coming. It just took a little bit longer. So games four and five, they lose, and they're one game away from elimination. So what happens is that Messier plays the New York press like the New York press loves to be played, and he guarantees a win in Game 6. And the New York press is... New York's one of the great sports cities because the press is just vicious. And so you make a boast like that, kind of on the Joe Namath order of things, and you've got to back it up because the press is eating this shit up with a spoon. And what does he do? He goes out and scores a hat trick, and the Rangers win game five, game six, four to two, and now we're tied up. And then you have a game that, for me, rivals game six of the nineteen eighty six National League Championship Series, and that's game seven of the conference finals, because it was one to nothing through pretty much the whole game, and. With about seven, it was by seven point seven seconds left, and like I said, I don't remember these things off the top of my head. I, I do have a, I do have my reference book here, so I'm just, so I have my facts straight. Seven and a half seconds left or so, at in in the end of um, at the end of regulation, Valerie Zalepikin, and I probably uh, Valerie Zalepikin or whatever on the Devils scores, and we go into overtime, and we go into a double overtime. Now. If you've ever watched hockey in the playoffs on television, you know overtime is tense. Listening to hockey in overtime on the radio is insane. I was listening. I had um, I don't even know if I could do homework. I was I had homework. Finals were coming up or something. But I remember in in my room with the game on. Pacing back and forth for both overtimes, just walking back and forth across my room, listening to each play, trying to picture what's happening on the ice. And then finally uh, hearing Stefan Mateau sneak one past Brodeur and knowing the Rangers were going to the cup finals. I think I ran downstairs, turned on the television, and they showed the replay on sports. And... Even though I don't remember Marv Albert's call, because I all I saw was was this, and I and and to this day I can hear it 
in my head because it's just as clear. It's as clear as Bob Murphy calling the end of the '86 series, or Bob Murphy calling Game Six. It's 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 quite possibly one of the best calls ever in sports. Batista off for the Devils plays it cross ice into the far corner. Matteau swoops in to intercept. Matteau behind the net, swings it in front. He scores. And this was just like, oh my God. I mean, this series was a beatdown for the Rangers, for the fans. It was just, they came out like, you know, were they, you even wondered, I think a lot of people wondered, um, were they going to have any gas in the tank for Vancouver? Because Vancouver was not a cream puff hockey team. Vancouver had played some seriously phenomenal hockey in the Western Conference, and they had played some great, great playoff series. And they had two great players um, leading them. One was Pavel Bure. Uh, I believe they called him the Russian Rocket. And Pavel Bure was, you know, just a, a powerhouse on the level of a Lemieux, a Gretzky, or, or, or a Messier. I mean, the guy was a superstar. He had he had a great shot. He could skate like crazy. And then you had a goalie, Kirk McLean, who was again was just like it, it was it was like facing off against Berdour or Richter or somebody. It was like okay, they have weapons. This is not going to be easy, especially after Game One when they lost. And I always have to remind myself, yeah, they lost Game One, um, even though um, you know, even though they beat the Rangers in overtime. And, uh, and then the Rangers went on to win the next three. And the Rangers going on to the next three, I think, made me kind of complacent. I was listening to all the games on the radio, and there was this one game. It was game, uh, it was game uh, five where, you know, you're calling. Um, they win game two, game three, game four. Game five, they're in the garden. And the Rangers had never won the Stanley Cup in Madison Square Garden. Uh, one of the... One of the well-known stories is that uh, I think it was the 1940 Cup. They had to win it on the road because they'd basically been kicked out of the garden in order for the circus to be in town. So much like the Sox at Fenway or, 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 or anybody you know at home, you want to win the Cup at home. I mean, granted, you just want to win the Cup. But Game 5 set up they could win the Cup. And the Rangers, uh, you know, the Canucks go up 3 nothing. Then the Rangers get three back, and then the Canucks score three more. It's it's this crazy, crazy ass third period of a game where the Rangers end up losing six to three, and it was deflating, especially when the Canucks won Game Six four to one over in Vancouver. And I remember just every night I'm listening to this, and it's like, and I'm listening to them lose these two games five and six. And thinking, <laughs> I, I just remember thinking. I mean, I don't think I lost hope that the Rangers were going to win, but again, it's it's the Rangers, and and you could not root for the Rangers in 1994 without having that voice in the back of your head, usually your asshole Islander fan, fan friends, going. 1940, they're gonna choke, you know, or whatever. And it's in there, and you're just sitting, and I remember sitting there, you know, I was, um, we were sitting there for, for 
quite a while um, after Game Six and thinking they're going to rip my heart out. And so what we've got is Game Seven in New York. Uh, about halfway through the first period, Brian Leach scores, and I'm sitting in my room. Radio's on. I'm studying for a pre-calculus final. And um, I've got my windows open because my not only did my parents abuse me by not having cable, they also abused me by not having central air conditioning, and it's June. And um, and all of a sudden I hear from across the street, score! And I think I yelled out of my window something like, you know, yeah, the cops are baby, or something fucking stupid. Because, you know, I'm 16 years old. So I'm not the most eloquent person in the world. Or, you know, the most eloquent sports fan. I'm, who the hell am I kidding? I'm 36 now, and I'm not the most eloquent person in the world. But at the same time, I'm just like, you know, I'm pumped. And then Adam Graves scores like four minutes later, and I'm even more pumped. And um, then, of course... Early in the second period, the Canucks score because the Canucks aren't going down with a fight. And then, like, the one person who probably needs to score because he is just the captain, he is the man. You know, you've had Leach score, but but Messier puts one in. Messier seals the deal because they would score. Vancouver would score one more, but basically, you've got you know you've got this this very very tight um, three to two lead. They're getting close to the end of the third period. And you even on the radio, you can tell this is going to happen. And at this point, I put the pre-calculus away, and I'm pacing around my room again. And I'm pacing around my room again. And I'm listening to the call, I'm listening to the call. And it's weird, because what happens with about two seconds left in the clock... The, the, the puck goes from one end of the ice, the ice to the other, and if you're unfamiliar with hockey... Um, Vancouver touches touches the puck, which uh, if you're unfamiliar with hockey, this is a penalty. This is a penalty. This is a, the, the violation called icing, which means that you, there's a stoppage of play and the puck's brought back to the other end of the ice, and there's a face off in that zone. I believe it's just. I believe. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm talking out of my ass here, but I'm pretty sure it's to prevent teams from constantly dumping the puck all the way to the other end. So you know, probably have to do with all offside rules as well. But so you have an icing call. With about 1.6, it's 1.6 seconds. And they bring it back to the Rangers zone. And, you know, a lot can happen in a hockey game in 1.6 seconds. That's long enough to at least win a faceoff and get a shot off. The Rangers send to the to the circle Craig McTavish, who I think anybody on the Rangers, any Rangers fan will know, remember for two things. One, taking this faceoff. And two, he was, I want to say he was the last player in the National Hockey League to play without a helmet. I may be wrong, but he did not play with a helmet. And this is 1994. So I'm pretty sure he was the last one to ever play with a helmet. When you retire, that that was it. Um, They would never stand for that nowadays with all the concussion things going on, especially in the NFL. But um, so McTavish takes the face off. But, but. While the puck's going down for icing, they're pretty much calling the game. The fans are going nuts. The radio announcers are going nuts. And there's and and I'm like, I'm ready to run out of my room and go downstairs and be like, yeah, the Rangers won the cup and see if I can see something on TV because it's around 11 o'clock and the local news is on. 
and they call icing. So I'm like halfway out the door, my hands in the air, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and I go back into my room, and I, I have to listen to this, and I have to listen to them, like, okay, they're setting this up, they're setting this up. And once again, I don't remember Marv's, Marv Albert's thing, because um, I, like I said, I, I heard them get it. And I heard them, I, they're like, you know, it's over. The Rangers have won. And I run downstairs and I turn on Channel 4. And uh, Len Berman, Len Berman, Channel 4 News, Len Berman is doing sports. And they cut to the garden live. And I did see the call. I did see the call, one of my my second favorite call of the playoffs, which was the, the, this, the, the, the actual face-off. They have put back five of a second 1.6 on the clock now Jonathan the Rangers I just drive on top of the puck absolutely now it's, it looks like it may be Bore taking the face off and he'll just try to drive it towards the goal I would think 1.6 seconds they have one man back and that's Brown Bore's going to go ahead with quick hands McTavish will have to nullify it. Here it is. The waiting is over. The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions. And this one will last a lifetime. No more forces. This is unbelievable. These people have waited a long time. Fans, players, coaches. Let the celebration begin. And from there up until oh quite a while, they just they live broadcasted from Madison Square Garden. And um I got to uh I got to watch um the cup come out and and I got to watch uh and I got to watch all of this and I got to watch Mark Messier and, and everything. Ladies and gentlemen, the Stanley Cup. Whether you're a fan, four years old, 64 years old, 84 years old, no matter how long you've waited, this is something special. Look at the hands. These guys have white gloves on carrying the Stanley Cup. That is precious. It's beautiful. And it's going to have the New York Rangers all over it. Well, New York, after 54 years, your long wait is over. Congratulations to the Rangers and the Vancouver Canucks for a spectacular finals. Congratulations to Bob Gutkowski, Neil Smith, and Mike Keaton, the entire Ranger organization, and most importantly, the players. Captain Mark Messier, come get the Stanley Cup. And and I'm just I'm sitting there. My my father's asleep on the couch, and I'm sitting there. Um, I remember I had to kind of swipe the remote from from under his hand because my father had this habit of like passing out on the couch, <laughs> just falling asleep on the couch. And um, I turned it on, and I'm just watching. And I really did feel like I was seven years old 
like this was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I was like unbelievably excited. Uh, like I still watch it and I get goosebumps. And when I watch it on YouTube, and like I had not endured the amount of pain that that a lot of even my friends who were Rangers like John. You know, John had, or, or or my uncle, or any other older Ranger fans had, but god damn it, I was just like, this is this the coolest thing. I mean, they they won the cup, like it actually happened. And I'm gonna take a quick break, um, and I'm gonna come back to wrap up uh, with with a couple of things. So uh, stick around, and I'll be right back. You are about to witness history in the making. Hi there, this is Todd from Forgotten Films, and if you spend all your time watching new releases, then you need to broaden your movie horizons. And a great way to do that is by joining me for the Forgotten Filmcast. We don't talk about the new releases, we don't even talk about the classics. We talk about the movies that time forgot. On each episode, I'm joined by another film blogger to discuss a film that may or may not be worth rediscovering. So look for the Forgotten Filmcast on iTunes, Podomatic, and wherever you find great podcasts. We're back again. Um, at this point, I just want to talk about a little bit about um, the next day because uh, one of the things that, for some reason, I, I just I wanted this, uh, and and what I did was I had a I had a final exam the next day. I had my final exam pre-calculus with uh, Mister Prussia. God rest his soul. And uh, Prussia was known for being a hard, hard teacher, and I'm pretty sure I got about a B on that final, maybe even a C. Um, but I got up the next morning. Usually I took the bus to school, but I decided to ride my bike. So I got up early enough. I put on my Rangers jersey, which I had the what's now the away jersey, but at the time was the home jersey, which was the white jersey with Rangers going across the, the chest of the diagonally with the white, red, white, and blue stripes, red and blue stripes. It was hot because it was June. <laughs> it was hot as balls out. But I'm like, nope, I'm riding my bike and wearing my Rangers jersey. The Rangers won the cup. I'm wearing my Rangers jersey. And before I went to school, I stopped by Keller's Delicatessen, Keller's Deli, which was on Railroad Avenue, on the Railroad Avenue and Main Street Shopping Center between Say Cleaners and Carvel. And I went in there and I bought a copy of Newsday because on because I knew I'm like I'm getting a paper because I'm gonna have the paper and I'm gonna have that paper framed and it's gonna hang on my wall and that's exactly what I did. I went to Carvel, I went to there, I went to the deli, I bought up news the issue of Newsday, and on the cover of Newsday it's Messier holding the cup and the headline is "At Last the 54 Year Jinx is Lifted" and I took it with me and um, and went into school and and, and Mr. Lowe who is my anchor club advisor, he taught my psychology class, he taught social studies as well, uh, was walking up and down the aisles in the in the pre-calculus final, looking at all of us who had worn our Rangers jerseys because we're all and are sweating to death in the high school gym taking a class, taking a taking a final. Um, and he's going, look at all the Rangers shirts. And I must have had the biggest shit-eating grin on my face when he said that because again like i'm riding this high 
of just this 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 high of of this is so awesome. And then I went home. It was I don't know if it was the next day or the day after, and watched the parade on television. And and uh, it might have been the day after, but it watched the parade on television. And the only the only bad highlight from that entire parade was Rudy Giuliani screaming "Go Knicks" in the middle of his speech because the Knicks were also in the NBA Finals, and that was about a night or two before John Starks bricked the game, the series winning shot at the end of Game Six, and then basically spent all of Game Seven against Houston bricking every shot there. The Knicks haven't won a championship since the, since the mid seventies, by the way, um, and I was never a I was never an NBA fan. Didn't ever ever wanted to be a Knicks fan, so you know you throw that out. But I, I love college ball, but I just don't like the NBA. But anyway, I mean, again, it was the only thing I compare it to was when I was a little kid and my dad uh, taped or somebody for him taped the Mets parade, and I got to watch the Mets World Series parade. I mean, this was this was awesome. This is just my moment. But I'm not the only person. So what I did was uh, about a month ago uh, was on Facebook, and um, and uh, and I said to you know I, I just posted to my wall on Facebook to my friend my timeline on Facebook to my friends who are New York Rangers fans and and a couple of guys John Purcell, uh, Jeff Pika, uh, and who was who was in a lot of class with me and, and Chris Lanham who has been my friend since we were. Uh, we have known each other since we were in nursery school together when we were four. Uh, I said, in June, I'll be posting a podcast episode about the 1994 Stanley Cup Championship. I would love to get other people's memories, perspectives on the events of that June. Uh, feel free to comment on this. I'll read your comments in the podcast. You make his comments as long as you want. Oh, and let's go Rangers. And a bunch of people liked it. And, um, and, and Steve J. Rogers started with the combo with all the so close East champions run by the New York Knicks made that spring, summer, early summer one of the sweetest to be a New York City sports fan. Uh, Chris Lanham, it was a little longer, he said, uh, do I get royalties from podcast plays? Yeah, as soon as I get paid. <laughs> um, seriously, though, I remember being relegated to my unfinished basement to watch hockey and arriving at Sable High School in the morning so tired. Also, Brian Leach solidified as my favorite athlete of all time. Dude was the man. I'll also never forget the, quote, old NHL where it was fair game to hack and slash away at anybody carrying the puck and Leach just fighting through those slashes and gaining the zone. Who could forget Graves parking in the crease and being pummeled by the opposition's defense? Damn. Um... Jeff Pika said, I remember watching Game 6 at Chris Fix's house. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the only time I ever was ever there, and I will never forget Game 5 of the Cup. We were at Paul Schneeber's house. He put out the TV on the deck. We got so loud, his neighbors were yelling at us. Of course, they lost that game, and for Game 7, I was watching nervously in my basement. I had a Regents exam the next day, and I can't remember setting a lick. I just remember that next day being the sunniest ever. More to come uh and then uh, Chris Fix says, yeah, Game 7 was at Chris Brett's house. Chris Brett's my second cousin, actually. And we walked up and down Main Street after the win. Uh, Richter versus Bure penalty shot. Need I say more? That was in Game um, 4, I think. Uh, Bure got a penalty shot. And Bure was, like I said, Bure was supposed to be the invincible Russian rocket. And he just came flying on the ice and, and went at Richter. And if you watch the... Um, if you watch the 1994 The Year in Sports video from Sports Illustrated, Richter breaks it down by pointing out how he he stopped Bure the same way in the All-Star game. 
which was in the garden that year. Uh, and and he just Bury goes to, to to Richter's right and Bury's left and tries to get one in and Richter goes down and saves the puck and that that's one of the biggest saves of the entire uh, of the entire series. Per- John Purcell, I'll never forget the Stanley Cup when walking outside my house, listening to m- many people on my block celebrating. <laughs> also ready to see my all my Islanders fans friends uh, to chant 1983. And then about a week or two later, I posted a, a great article from Deadspin uh, that was called The Secret of the NHL's Greatest Call, Location, Location, Location. It was about the Mateau call. Mateau, Mateau, Mateau. And uh, that Howie Rose made. And um, so a couple of people commented. My friend Andrea said that she was so disappointed when the Blackhawks traded Mateau that season, but was happy for him that he scored a goal and she was watching. And Pika responded again, Another story for your blog. During this series, I wonder how many people remember that back then games were not nationally televised and that meant devil home games were broadcast on Sports Channel. Okay, channel. A channel most Ranger, Yankee, Nick fans had no use for at the time. To watch Messier's famous Will Win Tonight game, uh, his friend Paul and him rode bikes to ground round. Ground round up on Sunrise Highway at Raft Avenue. Wow, I, I rode up actually... To plug my blog, I actually did a blog post about ground round and bowling alley birthday parties. I think they did this late last year. Anyway, so he and Paul rode their bikes to ground round, ordered a burger, and then the annoy and then annoyed the waitress as we just kept refilling sodas the rest of the way so we could stay and watch the game. For game seven, I was playing hockey after the rink had closed at face off in Bayport. Uh, we heard with the Shays, we heard the famous call over the loudspeaker that had the game wired into the office. I was just like, and I said, you know, I was listening to the radio. He's like, you should have come out with us. We'll fix that when time travel is invented. And uh, that's the thing about this. I talked to a lot of uh, a lot of my fellow comic book and movie and and music and, and 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 TV geeks, and we talk about common experiences that we have. And this is this is me geeking out about sports because. You bring up something like this, especially something that is so special, and you you ask guys you went to high school with twenty years ago what they remember, and they respond with this, and it's just like it 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 meant something to all of us, even if we were on all together at the same time. But it meant something to all of us in some way or another, and we all have these different experiences. And and it is one of those where were you moments. It's a very localized where were you moment because it's a New York sports team, so it's not you know a world event, and it's and it's a triumphant event. But uh, you know, I I have my cover of Newsday framed. I took it to the Hall of Frame in downtown Sayville. And it had it framed. And it hung over my bed for years. And now hangs on the wall of my classroom. uh, Surrounded by other papers. Surrounded by laminated copies of the Mets 86 championships from the Daily News. uh, Giant Super Bowl ones. Um, from nine, from Super Bowl twenty-five, and then the two that they won with Eli Manning. And it's flanked right now by the Baltimore Sun uh, of Loyola winning the National Lacrosse Championship a couple of years ago. But, man, if that ever was, like, the one, if that's the one just, like, I come back to, you know, 16 years old, 
sitting in my room, pacing back and forth, listening to this, hanging on every word of somebody describing it to me because I can't watch it on television and trying to figure out what's going on. And finally, just that release, that release of a win and that release of the cup and seeing that cup in the next season, seeing the banner being raised and knowing that... 1940 was gone. They shouted it out of the garden that night. It was, um, I don't remember who was on the mic, but they said, okay, one more time. And they just started shouting 1940, 1940, and it turned into 1994, 1994. And these are the, and remember, and these are the images that I remember. And, and the reason this episode is called Now I Can Die in Peace is because one of the most lasting shots that I ever have of the post game celebration was a guy holding up a banner that says, Now I Can Die in Peace. You know, which is repeated over and over. And the sports guy, I'm sorry, Bill Simmons, you did not, you did not invent that. <laughs> I, I know how important the Red Sox are to the history of America, but um, you know, that's where I remember this from: the '94 Rangers. And the Rangers have had their ups and downs over the last 20 years. But as any Rangers fan will tell you, you cannot take 1994 away from us. And um, win or lose. I can always go back and remember that, and I can always go back and remember the time. and And I'm getting, and I'm nostalgic, and I'm sentimental about it. But uh, I still, I will watch highlights from that year, and I still get chills, and I still get goosebumps, and I'm still so grateful that I was that I was a fan. Next time around, I'm going to try to get myself on a on a biweekly schedule here. And uh, next time around, I'm actually going to take a break from 1994 and look at the summer movies. From 1999, 15 years ago. Uh, between now and then, um, right around, right after this episode airs, uh, probably about next week, um, check out the blog because the other event that was going on at the time that really kind of blew up right after this was the O.J. Simpson case. Um and and I'll be I'll be writing about that uh, next week on the blog because it's been twenty more, twenty years since the Bronco Chase. So until then, um, thank you for indulging me on this trip down memory lane and this trip down sports championship memory lane. And um, I hope that uh, I hope that you all have a good evening and, and thank you for listening. And let's go Rangers. You have reached the end of another episode of Pop Culture Affidavit. All music, clips, or other material used in this podcast are the property of their respective copyright holders. And as this podcast is intended for entertainment and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Clips, pictures, and show notes can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, a blog where each week I take a look at a random thing in the world of popular culture and give my opinion as well as personal experience and memories I have with it, which is located at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback and other comments about this podcast can be sent by email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and come back next time for some more pop culture randomness.